We are in the mood for Fantasy Football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me, as always, is Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. You can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. And you can reach our fantasy Twitter account at PFN Fantasy. Um, we got a lot to talk about today. And uh, first off, uh, yesterday, for those who listened, uh, we were talking about the Jets uh, injury to Zach Wilson. Tommy. Uh, said the Jets are probably regretting giving away Joe Flacco in the offseason. And a few hours later, the Jets acquired Joe Flacco. Tommy, any other uh, hot takes of uh, uh, NFL quarterbacks who might find their way? Are we going to see a Vinny Testaverde sighting somewhere? What's the – how'd you do it? I mean, I know you. Uh, that was just you're humble. You're humble. That's man. just a squirrel finding a nut every once in a while. It just you just throw something out there, it might stick, and it actually happens. Uh, it just it was just a funny coincidence. Uh, we'll see if anything else happens. I mean, we have the trade deadline coming up in less than a week, which I'm sure it won't be the only move we see happen. Um, normally, you don't see quarterbacks on the move too often, but I mean, when someone's elite as Joe Flacco is, you go, you got to bring him back in, especially when <laughs> the level of play probably isn't going to drop. If we're being honest with what we've seen out of Zach Wilson yeah. so far, it is it is quite possible if Joe Flacco plays decently. Um, it would not be surprising if a terrible Jets team just says maybe Zach Wilson needs a little seasoning, maybe it's some more tutelage from Flacco. Um, maybe that was the big big mistake this season that not keeping Flacco not only left them exposed um, if if Zach Wilson went down, but also a lot of these young quarterbacks they need someone in the locker room, they need someone on the sideline who's experienced. Uh, and Mike White is doesn't bring the same level obviously as someone like Joe Flacco. So maybe Flacco really ups the game. That it's that i mean you didn't have a veteran quarterback but then you also have a rookie head coach a rookie play caller i mean it's just and the rookie quarterback so you, you just kind of have everything and like no one had any experience on this team right now they're all trying to rebuild the culture and trying to figure this all out together like it'll click eventually the jets will be better at some point but yeah i mean bringing bringing in someone like joe flacco it can only help things right good stuff uh waiver wire uh two quarterbacks i want to talk about Tua Tagovailoa and trey lance Two very different quarterbacks. Uh, to uh, 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 some trade rumors, potentially. Is he going mm-hmm. somewhere by next week? Is he not? Uh, we pushed him on uh, Pro Football Network last Sunday morning as a major bargain. Uh, he came through. His best friend is the fact that Miami's defense is uh, arguably the worst in the league. So mm-hmm. you saw a bunch of points coming from Tua in that offense late in the game as they were playing catch-up. Do you think the Tua, that Lance, Lance is a very different story with Jimmy Garoppolo. If he's healthy, he's still technically the starter, but maybe not. Um, Are either of those guys worth picking up? If you're, let's say, a 10-team league, are you looking at either of those guys potentially being QB1 streamers going forward? Uh, I don't know if any – I don't think either is going to be a QB1 streamer. Um, the ups you love the upside of Lance given what he does on the ground. Um, and then with Tua, it's the accuracy. Like Tua is not the the issue, I think, in Miami. I mean, I don't think so, at least. Um, as much as you see it go on about on Twitter from whoever you want to name that's a Dolphins fan or whatever. Um, like I don't think two is the issue. Um, the question is like, is he gonna be the starting quarterback? We're kind of going over the same thing we were last year, but it's now Watson instead of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, he's now looking over his shoulder again. Um, we'll see whatever comes out of it. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and speculate on it. Um, if he's on the field, two is going to be a streaming option every single week for me. 
Um, just because he has this team is only probably going to get better, at least at the receiver core. Like they're still a bad football team, but at least at some point he's going to get back, you know, Will Fuller and he's going to get back Devontae Parker to go with Jalen Waddle and Preston Williams. He's got Mike Gazeki. So I mean, at least the people he is around, his bubble is going to at least somewhat get better. Even if the Dolphins don't get better as a team, they have to play from behind, which we all love garbage time. Um, and in terms of Trey Lance, I mean, it's I'd love to see him starting, but we also know he is like the rawest quarterback that came into this uh, this class. He did had minimal work at North Dakota State, but like as low as his ceiling, as low as his floor is, I also think he probably has the highest ceiling in this rookie class. Like he is as talented as it gets. Um, I'd love to see him be the starting quarterback, but I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo can play decent football. Um, and if decent football is enough to let him keep his job, then it doesn't matter what I think of Trey Lance if he doesn't see the field. So it's it comes down to trusting Kyle Shanahan at some point to to make that switch. And whether that happens or not, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting to see the 49ers as a as a team um, uh, not doing great uh, this year, uh, not going anywhere in terms of having the Cardinals and Rams in that division. Um, yeah. 49ers are, you know, and it's tough with a 17 game season. We used to always know, OK, 10 and six in a 16 game season, you're a borderline mm-hmm. playoff team, nine yeah. and seven if things break perfectly. Um this year, maybe we're saying, you know, uh, 10 and seven might be a borderline, but maybe it's not. Maybe 10 and seven is the new nine and seven. And maybe you need 11 wins mm-hmm. to be able to get to the playoffs. And it's hard to imagine the Niners right now, two and four, getting to uh, 11 and six. It's just, well, I mean, honestly, that could be a good thing for Trey Lance because if the 49ers are right. out of it, then you start developing the future. That's exactly right. So the question becomes with some of these teams that are struggling, at what point do they just say, we're going to turn it over. And and the bears did that. I think we both agreed they needed to do that. Justin Fields. It's just a rough situation, whether it's a coaching issue, whether fields just isn't ready, whatever the issue that isn't working, but that's usually not what happens. You don't usually see a rookie, uh, 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 play at such a low level that fields is playing out. And some of that is he just hasn't been utilized as we've talked about before in the way that a Justin Fields should be utilized. When imagining no. Trey Lance as a pocket passer in San Francisco, you're, you're you're playing it all wrong. Fields and Lance both have the ability to run with the ball. That's how they need to be utilized. In San Francisco, we saw some of that with Lance. We only saw a little bit of that with Fields last week. So trusting in Lance longer term is a smart play. If you're in a deep league, yeah. totally agree. Pick pick up Lance. Um, he's, he's likely going to be a guy later this season who's going to get more starts. Um, and as long as Tua doesn't get traded, uh, he has a fantastic receiver core, undervalued receiver core. Waddle and, and Parker and Preston Williams all have experience in little bits, Waddle only this year, as number ones. They've been in that situation of being, of attracting the top cornerback. And Gesicki is right now the number three fantasy tight end. You can't argue with those numbers. It's the defense that's the problem, but that's good from a fantasy perspective if you have Miami offensive players. Yeah. Um, the thing I'll say back. too, when it comes to like Justin yeah. Fields, if Justin Fields has a good game this week when Matt Nagy is out on COVID, that is the biggest like we're done with Matt Nagy statement that could be made. Like there's yeah. no coming back from that from the Bears. If your head coach is out and all of a sudden your quarterback plays well, where are we now pointing the finger? Like that could be the death sentence of Matt Nagy if Justin Fields has a good game. Interestingly enough, against San Francisco this week. Down. Oh, I'd love to see Fields versus Lance. That's a great point, though. Uh, it, it's if if the strategy shifts and we start to see a different kind of Fields, different kind of offense, 
um, it's hard to point the finger at anyone else. Yep. Uh, running backs, Devontae Freeman. Uh, I played against him this week. Very uh, disappointed in how that turned out. My opponent was not, obviously. Is Devontae Freeman the uh, de facto number one now in Baltimore, or is it still a week-to-week situation? In other words, if folks are in a league where they just need to pick up somebody, I think they're on a bye this week. Correct me if I'm wrong. They are. They're on a bye this week. So is Freeman somebody that somebody picks up and stashes, or is Freeman one of those you know kind of fool's gold players right now where he's an aging veteran, uh, happened to get lucky with a couple touchdowns in a couple weeks, but he's not the answer in Baltimore. I don't think he's the answer in Baltimore. Um, yeah, for me, I think it's still going to be Latavius Murray. I think it's, this is still his backfield. I mean, once he comes back and all this stuff, you're still going to have you know a rotation between Freeman, uh, Le'Veon Bell, Tyson Williams, who was active this week. I mean, if we look at his stats, I mean, it was four carries for 14 yards and a touchdown. So the touchdown kind of kind of saved you. But it's the Baltimore offense is built around not the name on the back of the jersey, but just the position itself, like. The running back for Baltimore is going to be valuable, even if they run a you know committee style approach like we've seen in the past. Like even going back to last year in the first part of the season when it was J.K. Dobbins, Mark Ingram, and um, Gus Edwards. My God, when was the last time we said those names? Um, <laughs> but you're going to have value in that position. I think it'll be I think it'll be Latavius Murray, and then it's kind of just next man up. If guys eliminate themselves due to injuries, like we kind of well we've seen happen, then some other guys like a Devontae Freeman or Le'Veon Bell could step up. But for me, I think it's going to be Latavius Murray or Bust for the most part of who I would want. If I'm in a deeper league, then yeah, take a shot on one of the veterans. But at that point, you're kind of just drawing straws on who's going to get the run that week. One could argue a safer running back pickup, even though uh, it might not seem like it would be Brandon Bolden out of New England. If Ramondre yes. Stevenson is going to be inactive for the foreseeable future, um, and maybe that was just a one-time thing this past week. And it, of course, Patriots were playing the Jets. So you always put an asterisk uh, next to playing the Jets uh, in a season like this one, because um, it's not the way an offense normally functions. Um, but uh, you saw J.J. Taylor and Brandon Bolden both go off in a blowout. And Bolden arguably seems to have the James White role. He seems mm-hmm. to be in a position where he could get five catches for 40 yards um, on a decent day. And then the question is, does he score? So for my money, I would rather have Bolden um, as in the James White role than I would want to have Devontae Freeman for Baltimore. Uh, do you agree or disagree with that assessment? Yeah, I agree. Um, I like Brandon Bolden when he was coming in, like when we knew that uh, James White also was going on, like Bolden was the likeliest uh, player to step up. If you look at his game so far, I mean, since week three, he's seen four or more targets. Uh, in every game but one uh, outside of like week six he's got the chance to score a touchdown he's got 50 yards or more in two of his last uh four games i mean there's there's usage that's there the new england running backs we always know is a bit of a headache and always has been um but if you're gonna take a shot on someone and with ppr upside take a shot on brandon bolden uh they get the chargers this week chargers are not a great defense uh, in terms of against the running back and they are kind of vulnerable uh to passing down running back so we get a little bit of run this week they got some more difficult matchups over the next two weeks with Carolina and, and uh, Cleveland, but in PPR where a target gets you a substantial amount of points over a carry, I would prefer Brandon Bolden over someone we're looking in a committee approach uh, as with Baltimore. Good stuff. Uh, the latest word on Miles Sanders is that uh, it could be week to week. Um, so he could play uh, next week. He might not play. He might not play the week after that. It's just kind of a wait and see mode. Uh, Jordan I mean, Howard, has Miles Sanders been playing? 
I mean, I, I don't think Nick Serrano even knows he's playing right now. If you blink, you miss him. Um, and not because he's fast, although he is arguably one of the most talented running backs who doesn't get uh, enough work in the league. Uh, you, you imagine Miles Sanders on a dozen other teams, and he would be uh, an RB1. Yep. Um, but the fact is, uh, we could be seeing some Jordan Howard coming in off uh, if he's on the practice squad or just being that third running back. Uh, is there any reason we've got Kenneth Gainwell as uh, the shiny rookie object that people are drawn to? We have uh, Boston Scott, who's the, you know, has been in this position before of kind of filling mm-hmm. in as a complimentary back. Is Jordan Howard now, if he comes up, if Sanders is out, does Howard become the boom bust uh, goal line carry? You can always count on Jordan Howard at the one yard line until you can't. But is he one of those guys who could come in and get you nine points? Um, or is he just someone people stay away from because it's no offense to Jordan Howard, but at this stage of his career, not someone you want to lean on. I think there might have been a reason he's been on the practice squad, uh, to put it blunt. Um, he could end up getting a run in Philadelphia. The difference is, like, the regime that loved him is no longer the coaching staff that's still there. Like, this is Nick Serrani's scene. This isn't Frank Wright and all those guys. Um, like, for me, I still lean Kenneth Gainwell whenever Miles Sanders is out. I mean, I've leaned Kenneth Gainwell even when Miles Sanders has been in, in fairness. Um, the difference is he's now going to get some more of the running game. We know what he can do in the passing game. Um, but if they start using a, like a split of Boston Scott and um, Jordan Howard and the the running game to an extent, I mean, you could see these guys have some potential upside. They have the Lions this week uh, as if they activate him. Like this is all pure speculation. Uh, then you have the Chargers, Denver, New Orleans uh, coming up for and in, uh, in recent weeks until we probably have Miles Sanders back. Uh, it's it's them putting a band aid over the injury right now. I don't. If I'm in a deep league, yeah, maybe. I take a flyer, but that's assuming that he does get put, does get picked up. Uh, for right now, I'm just going to probably stick with Kenneth Gainwell and just kind of see how the rest of this backfield kind of takes shape. Good stuff. Moving to receiver, Rashad Bateman had the same number of yards this past Sunday as Marquise Brown, but he needed eight fewer targets to get those 80 yards. We know what Bateman can do. Um, we also know what Marquise Brown can do, but unfortunately for Brown, we know what he can do because – uh, Sammy Watkins was hobbled for some of that time and they literally had no one else except Mark Andrews to throw to. Mm-hmm. So Marquise Brown, uh, if you were paying attention a couple weeks ago, was one of the biggest sell high guys around knowing that Bateman was coming back. Is Bateman, first of all, I, I think we can safely say he is a must add on waivers. Yeah. The biggest question is, is Bateman going to overtake Marquise Brown? What are the odds that Bateman becomes the number one in Baltimore? Oh, I, I love that. I, I think it's on the field, he might do it, uh, just in terms of target volume. The difference is going to be the upside from the home run, that deep threat play that Marquise Brown can bring. Um, so I think there there might be a difference like the fantasy versus the the real life wide receiver one. That's for me. I, I love Rashad Bateman. Like he was arguably the most complete wide receiver coming into the draft. He was my wide receiver three of this class behind chase and wow. Devonta Smith. I love what he can bring. He does. He doesn't necessarily do everything like to an elite level, but everything he does is fantastic. He does everything good. He's a contested catch guy. Great on possession. He runs some fantastic routes and Baltimore's using him in that way. He's running a fairly diverse route tree between curls uh, some deep ends. He's got some drag routes. He's running. He's running some uh, some slants. Like he's running a bunch of different routes, which I think is what you want to use a guy like this from. 
had some fantastic plays back in college. We know what he brings to the field. Uh, six targets in the back-to-back games. Like I'm a big fan of Rashad Bateman. I think he could absolutely be something in this offense. You've got some good matchups coming up. Um, like I said, he's a he's a must add, and he's going to be a borderline must start every single week for me. He's already in flex consideration every single week. He could easily start moving up into that wide receiver three range, and we'll have to see how that affects uh, Marquise Brown because it's not a high volume passing team. Uh, so every target and every direction that those go to are critical for every one of these players. But if I mean, you're going to give me a a passing game with the way Lamar Jackson is playing with, you know, Marquise Brown, Rashad Bateman, and then Mark Angel at the tight end. Like all three of those guys are going to have continued success throughout the season, but it's good. They're probably just going to trade off back and forth. Who's going to get the majority of like some red zone looks every week. We've seen, uh, I think it was week three, Marquise Brown dropped three passes that could have been touchdowns. Marquise like they Brown, were literally all touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Has had issues with drop passes I, I can't say because I've never played in the NFL what that does to a quarterback's trust of a receiver. There are some quarterbacks uh, where you just keep throwing because the talent and the opportunity is too great. And you just accept the fact that sometimes that's going to happen at the same time. If Rashad Bateman has sure hands um, at some point, does Bateman become the more trusted option for, for someone like Lamar Jackson? Is I mean, it's like you Brown. said, he had those drops, and what was that? And that wasn't like in week three he had those right. drops. He had back-to-back touchdowns. Uh, he's had four touchdowns since that game, and he's had uh, 34 targets to lead the team over the last four games. Like, and I I'd be think- curious who it, who's the number two wideout target. In other words, is is it just because there hasn't been anyone else to throw to? Because Watkins has been hobbled. Uh, Devin DuVernay doesn't really count. You know, it's like... Yeah, I mean, they don't have... The guy like Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, and Miles Boykin, they brought him back off IR last night. Yeah. yeah, you're right. There's there's a certain thing that they, they haven't had anyone else, but he also has three years of trust with Lamar Jackson. I mean, yeah. it's a couple draw passes. He's not going to go away from him. And that, that's not, to me, Lamar Jackson's psyche. He's He went back to him pretty immediately. If he, even after the first drop touchdown, he still went back to him. He's kind of kept going back to him again and again. I mean, he's had several games since that point. Uh, for me, I, I'm not worried about any effects of that game. Like, I think he showed literally in that game when he kept going back to him that it was, hey, move on. Let's get the ball back into his hands because we know how dynamic Marquise Brown is. Cool. Um, uh, last week uh, on, uh, I think it was the Twitter spaces on Sunday. Um, I'll, I'll toot my own horn here if that's okay. But I mentioned Alan Lazard as a good streamer. Um, we talked about him. I don't want to leave Tommy out of this conversation, but just to say that you know, we were talking, we had this conversation Sunday morning on Twitter spaces. Some of you were listening. Um, is it going to be Randall Cobb? Is it going to be Alan Lazard? Um, and Lazard seemed like the safer bet. Uh, and Lazard came through. It was really in about a three minute span in the second quarter. He got about 14 fantasy points. I mean, he basically got all his damage done. It was almost like Aaron Rodgers remembered he had him and mm-hmm. decided to use him. Um, of course that's not how it works in the NFL, but the point is Lazard can get it done. Uh, if Devonte Adams cannot play this week, um, he needs two negatives, uh, tests for COVID before, uh, he can be, uh, activated for Thursday's game. Uh, Alan Lazard could be set up as a de facto number one for Green Bay against Arizona. Even if he isn't, would you say that Lazard right now is clearly on the streaming map? Or is it still too soon to say that this guy can be a consistent nine plus point contributor? 
I'm not sure if like the consistency side of things where we're going to find Alan Lazard anymore. Um, he's had his chance to break out for the past couple seasons and just hasn't done it despite Green Bay not bringing in any additional talent. Um, if Devonta Adams doesn't play, then yeah, absolutely. Alan Lazard is going to shoot up rankings in a game where it's going to be high scoring. The Green Bay Packers are going up against the arguably the most dynamic offense in the NFL, only remaining undefeated team where they're going to have to throw the ball and put up some points. So Alan Lazard would absolutely be uh, moving up, but he's already going to be a like that wide receiver four range uh, for this week, just given the fact of what the Packers are going to have to do. Uh, we expect them to give us some points. Even if you have Devontae Adams, there's still going to be plenty to go around for everyone. And I would look for Alan Lazard to be that number two option like we know we can be. There's a chance that they activate um, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, who's been on the IR since week three, mm. uh, been dealing with a hamstring injury. Uh, apparently did some testing and he's running around a little bit, but I think we've seen from some other players where there's a big difference between active and healthy uh, and how those guys are used. Uh, so if he comes back, interesting because for that deep home run shot that he can bring, uh, he's led the Packers and a dot and been one of the leaders in the league uh, for the past several years. Uh, consistency though, I would probably take a shot on Alan Lazard this week. If you're looking for a flex option, uh, try to get your week off to a, a decent start because that should be a, a very good game on Thursday night. Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting. I just looked up Aaron Rodgers uh, since he really had that awful game uh, to open the season against the Saints. He had no touchdowns, two interceptions. Since yep. then, he has 17 total touchdowns, 15 through the air, two on the ground, and only one interception. I that mean, game against had- New Orleans makes no sense the more you look at it. The longer the season goes, it just makes no sense. The first yeah. two weeks, in fairness. Yeah. It seems like the Saints must have just planned for months for that for that game, um, because yeah, it just seems like uh, the Packers were completely out of sync. And, and I think I it's remember a combination I- of that. And it's also a combination of look out was Aaron Rodgers in Hawaii and he was living his life while the Green Bay Packers couldn't decide what the, they were doing with him. Um, Very good point. You lost an entire summer of work, and for as good as Aaron Rodgers is, defending you know MVP, all of that, like you still need to get some time back in the saddle uh, before you all of a sudden you just take it back off. again. so I think part of that was just honestly, it was the, the saints has had been viewing that game for the past year, preparing for the past summer and prepare for it, I should say. And also look, Aaron Rodgers didn't need some time to get healthy again and get, get everything back going. That's why it took a couple of weeks and now you're getting what you would have expected. Should he have played the entire preseason? Yeah. It's an excellent point. Um, and, and to those who, who didn't bail early, didn't we get worried early. Uh, they're out obviously reaping the rewards. Rodgers was one of those oh, yeah. guys, you know, there were eight or so quarterbacks who could potentially be top three fantasy quarterbacks. And and Rodgers and Brady tended to be on the back end. And as particularly since week one, if you throw out week one, Rodgers has been right near the top. And right. Brady obviously has been, um, I can't even begin to talk about it. Um, they, they just don't bring the rushing upside, which is why they were kind of on that the back, the further right. end behind right. the the Prescotts, the Jacksons, the Murrays, um, your uh, Patrick Mahomes, those kind of guys where it's they bring that extra dynamic. For Rodgers and Brady, it's their mental side of the game and then what they can do as a passer. And they're That's able right. to just do some incredible things on the field and not have to, to be able to be where they are and not bring a rushing upside, which we know how important that is in fantasy. It's you just got to tip your hat because you're watching greatness every single week. That's right. And, and I'm, I'm going to add something to that rushing upside because 
it really is interesting to see, like I, I traded for Kyler Murray yep. and I looked up the other day and he was averaging 50 plus rushing yards a game last year. He's averaging only about 16 to 18 rushing yards a game yep. this year. He's losing three plus points a game. Um, uh, Dak Prescott uh, has 70 rushing yards through six games. No one would uh, would say that it, 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 based on those terms that Dak Prescott is a Russian quarterback. Now, is that because he came back from a serious injury and he's minimizing risk, you know, and, and, and basically being a little more in the pocket um, mm-hmm. instead of just, you know, risking taking a bad hit, whatever it is, you see these guys who are drafted because they were a dual threat. And some of these guys have scaled back their running uh, which has yep. capped their ceiling. And it's been fascinating I mean, to see. I, I I don't know how we could have predicted Kyler Murray, except that he has two competent running backs now. Yep. So he doesn't need to run as much. But still, I'm I'm surprised by it. I mean, Taylor Heineke has 60 more rushing yards than Kyler Murray. Wow. Who saw that coming? Who saw that coming? Tyler Heineke probably saw that. Taylor Heineke. Um, uh, the uh, final uh, free uh, waiver uh, uh, discussion, Robert Tanyan. Um, finally broke through. Um, he was a, uh, a very popular pickup early last season. Um, yeah. he'd been working in the off season, um, uh, the 2020 to get up to a level and, and it paid off. I mean, he, he looked like he would be a TE one for a while, um, started out slow. Can we trust him now as a top 10, top 12 tight end? Or you think that, that this offense is no longer built around, supporting him on a regular basis man this whole situation is so weird because i mean robert tanyan last year had more touchdowns than incomplete targets uh and so we knew there was regression that was coming but to the extent that we've seen i don't think any of us saw coming um he had 52 yards in week two last week he had his best game uh with four seven for 63 yards and a touchdown every other game he's had 10 or less yards uh, it's those peaks and valleys, like that is incredible. Right. Um, the downside is this week is against the Arizona Cardinals. We talked about one of our meetings uh yesterday. It was the Arizona Cardinals were the team you targeted your tight ends against. Uh they gave up like 14 touchdowns uh, a couple of years ago, and you went always against them. But now they go out and they draft um Isaiah Simmons, and then last year they get Zaven Collins, and this is a team now where they are number one in points allowed to tight ends, they're only allowing like five points a game. Uh, so it's, I would love to see Robert Tanyan be that guy that we saw last year. My God, we all know the tight end position needs it. Like we need talent right now because a lot of guys that we expect to do something haven't done much at all. Um, and even some of these streaming options, like we've been using for the past week, like Ricky Seals Jones, like those guys are going to start to taper off. And if we don't get someone like this, then every single week guys are going to be struggling, uh, looking for streaming options. So I would love to see Robert Tanyan have a good game and where he can kind of, gets back to me a more consistent option. Um, maybe it's a, a personal, like a character flaw of mine, but I'm a believe it when I see it kind of person. Uh, and so hopefully I can see something out of Tommy and out of Tanya where I can kind of feel comfortable putting him back in my lineups. Um, no character flaw that I can see. I think it's important to see it, to believe it. And one of the things that we got to do as, uh, as fantasy managers, because all of us listening care about fantasy and care about our team is when we see people's stats Uh, We have to look beyond the stats. We have to understand the context. In the case of Robert Tanyan last year, two of his three biggest games came when Devontae Adams was out. 
But at the end of the season, you look at his numbers and you say, well, of course, his preseason ADP is a 10. He's a TE10. But what does that mean? He's a T, it, it's assuming that either he'll get better or mm-hmm. Devontae Adams is going to miss more time. And yeah. what it, are you willing to bet on that? Um, those two games where, where Adams was out, uh, Tanyan had almost uh, 50 fantasy points. It was 28% for, of his total fantasy production in those two games. So again, you got to think about Tanyan not based on what he did last year or what he did last week, but the whole picture of in this offense with everyone pretty much healthy and MVS potentially coming back, um, is this a case where Tanyan is the fifth option in the passing game? And that's not someone you want to bank on. I mean, maybe yeah. Zach Hurts across the other side as the fifth option in that passing game is more trustworthy, but I don't think Absolutely. Tanyan is at the Ertz level of trustworthiness right now. Um, before we close out, I want to ask about one team. We have time to cover one team coming up where you might, all of you might have fantasy players on these teams and the Patriots to me are the most interesting um, looking ahead at the, at their remaining schedule. For those of you who have Damian Harris, those of you who might be picking up Brandon Bolden, those of you who might have Jacoby Myers or Hunter Henry, um, Tommy, can you walk through the danger area and the opportunity that exists for someone who has a Patriots player right now? Yeah, if we kind of just go through and look at like their upcoming schedule, because with the NFL trade deadline coming up and also especially with the, the fancy trade deadline coming up, you've got playoffs on the way. So kind of keep start taking a look at the upcoming schedule uh, with temp, with uh, New England. It gets a little interesting this week. They have uh, the Chargers, then you get Carolina, but it's more towards that playoff schedule. Uh, Tennessee, then you have Buffalo in week 13, then a bye. Uh, then it's Indianapolis, then Buffalo again, although you would get to have your championship game uh, with New England playing Jacksonville. Uh, but you got to get there first. So that playoff stretch of Buff- of Tennessee, Buffalo, bye week, Indy, and then Buffalo again, like that's brutal. Um, that would highly concern me, especially if I'm banking on someone like Damian Harris, who isn't getting a lot of work in the in the running, in, in, the, uh, in the passing game. Uh, that would uh, highly concern me. Uh, so if he starts having some good games, especially in the game coming up here uh, with the Chargers, then maybe another one with Carolina, possibly, although they've been a somewhat decent defense, uh, not to the extent they were early in the season. Like that's a guy you could potentially try to move uh, come up the waiver deadline, coming up the trade deadline. Um, another one from I would kind of look at Buffalo and think of like Zach Moss, what they have coming up. Uh, their end of season schedule, so like from week twelve on, like right now they get Miami. Uh, they just played Miami. Uh, this week, then you have Jacksonville and then the Jets. So that's a fantastic three-game stretch. Stretch. That's one of the best stretches we've seen this season. But then it's Indianapolis, New Orleans, New England, Tampa Bay, Carolina, and New England. So it goes from one of the best to one of the worst. Uh, so for me, like if Zach Moss or Devin Singletary, if they have great games in these next two games, I would look to move them before their Week Ten matchup against the Jets because uh, you can use that matchup in the bargaining process and the trade process because if i'm trying to sell you someone going into a good matchup versus coming out of a good matchup like it's going to be much easier trying to sell them on that match thing they're going to have at least one another good week of this so yeah those are two teams i'd be personally looking at and that's a great point i want everyone to just uh, wrap up with that point that tommy just made uh sometimes the right time to trade someone is not after their best game yeah it's before your opponent thinks they're headed towards their best game. Last week, uh, I was trying to trade the Patriots defense because I didn't need them. 
uh, and I needed to get some value at receiver because I had it just by week. And so I was able to trade Mike Davis, who I was ready to get rid of, uh, who it was the second time he had been on my team this year. So it was, and I was as eager as ever to trade him away. And the Patriots defense, and I got, I got Christian Kirk back, who got me about 15 points for the week. That's what I was looking to get. But the point was I traded the Patriots right before they played the Jets. And in the discussions I had with people, because I tried several opponents, I made it clear, hey, the Patriots should be good for 12 plus points this week against the Jets. You're starting XYZ defense. If you need an extra 10 points, here you go. I just need something in return. I'm not looking to take advantage of anyone. I'm just looking to capitalize on players' schedules. Um, and sometimes those are the best trades to make. Um, Tommy, thanks as always. Uh, this is Tommy Garrett. I'm BJ Rudell, Pro Football Network. And uh, you can find us, profootballnetwork.com, on the fantasy page. Sign up for our newsletter on the Twitter site. We send it out Sunday and, and Tuesday, first thing in the morning. It's called Table for Six. Gives you six players that we are focusing on uh, so that, I mean, you don't have time to focus on a buffet of players across, you know, across the entire league, especially if you're busy, you have lives. So we give you six players to really hone in on. Some of the players we talked about on Sunday included Antonio Gibson, who we talked about on the Monday show. Uh, we talked about Ryan Tannehill having a rebound game. Uh, we talked about Calvin Ridley and what we might expect of him later this season. We had another one come out this morning. Uh, so come find us any way you find us. We're always giving you fresh content. We're trying to help you become better managers. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on Friday.